Welcome to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. We are a local church in East London, here to be a beacon of hope for Hoxton. And our mission is to worship God, make disciples, share Jesus, and transform Hoxton. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. That doesn't sound like good news. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. I trust that you are all exclaiming that with great enthusiasm beneath your face coverings. They do muffle it a little bit, don't they? Uh, Happy Easter. It's really good to see you all. And uh, it's great to see you as well, or be seen by you, at least those of you who are watching online. We're so delighted that you could join with us today. And it's a wonderful, wonderful novelty for Caroline and myself and some of the others who've been on the team. Uh, We are absolutely delighted. I can't tell you how thrilled we are, not just to be speaking directly to that camera at the back, but also to people in the building. This is a moment of celebration, being back together, the family, the body that God has made us here in Hoxton. It's great to see friends that I've not seen for a while. You are so welcome here. It's great to see people I don't know, and uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you a little later. If I haven't met you before, my name is Graham Hunter. I'm the vicar of the church, and uh, it's my great pleasure to be celebrating this Easter with you and to talk for a few moments about... um, A theme inspired by just a couple of verses uh, in the reading we just heard. So let me read again for you verses 14, 15, and 16 from John's Gospel, chapter 20. Mary, remember this is Mary Magdalene, she's in the garden. Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it? you are looking for. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. Let's pray. Father, in the resurrection of Jesus, you give us a new hope, a new life. And this day, by your Holy Spirit, may we hear you calling our name once again. Just as Mary heard Jesus call her name and recognized him, would you now call our names that we might know you, that we might recognize you, that we might see you, our risen Lord. And speak to us now. Give us new hope and renewed lives. In Jesus' name, amen. In the borough of Hackney, uh, they collect various statistics and various bits of information about uh, the makeup of the borough, and one of those statistics fascinates me. It says that 19% of the land, the total area of land in Hackney, is given over to domestic green space, or gardens, to you and me. But here in Hoxton, where I live, where many of you live, that percentage is just 3%. 3% of the land area in Hoxton is given over to domestic green space. Now that makes church gardens like ours all the more important because many people who live in Hoxton live in flats with maybe balconies if they're lucky, but maybe not even that. No green space, no garden to enjoy. I'm ashamed that as a family, 
we have part of that 3% is domestic green space. We have a, a lovely little garden in the vicarage. And we are lousy gardeners. We're just hopeless. Actually, Sarah, my wife, did an amazing job the last couple of days at turning over a bed ready to plant some wild flowers and some vegetables and putting in a little border. And, and we, we've been tidying it up a bit. A few weeks ago, I was pressure washing the slabs and trying to make it nice so that we can get out and barbecue. And now that we're allowed to have some people come around to the garden, come and have some meals over there. But to put it frankly, we're not very good at gardening. We're not very interested in gardening. But gardens are important in our lives. These gardens that you walked through to come into church today, if you're here in the building, if you're watching online, uh, this perhaps doesn't apply so much, are important to this neighbourhood. This church was built in 1826 and the, uh, the gardens that surrounding it were a burial ground. In fact, between 1826 and 1856, there were 26,689 burials. That's a lot of people buried out there. Buried, of course, in the hope of the resurrection. The last burial was actually in a tomb in 1863. In 1895, our church gardens were renovated. The headstones were cleared and put against the far wall. New topsoil was put on and lots of trees, the magnificent trees that we have, were planted. They were opened up for public enjoyment. In 1899, an agreement was made that there should be a gardener or a groundskeeper in perpetuity, always provided by the council. That little bit seems to have fallen by the wayside. Um, but we do have some wonderful people on the team and volunteers here who do some fantastic gardening. In 2005 through 10, the gardens were renovated again. There was new layout. The paths were put down. Uh, if you look very closely at the edging stones around the grass, you'll see verses from the Bible engraved in them. But somebody described them to me 10 years ago as looking like a garden of death. The trees were overgrown. The lights didn't work. The shrubs were overgrown. In 2011, a few people gathered to pray for the church and for our neighbourhood. And we had a, an image of a garden overgrown with weeds and the voice of the Lord saying, plant flowers, do beautiful things, make something new. I say all this as a prelude to my main theme, which is that gardens are important in God's economy. Jesus is mistaken by Mary for being a gardener and in a, in a very real and meaningful sense, he is a gardener. I want to tell you about four gardens that I think we see in the Bible. Four gardens, uh, each of which have an influence on our lives and on our faith. Firstly, the Garden of Eden. Many of you will know the story of the Garden of Eden. It's uh, the, the Garden of Creation. But there's a tension because it's also the Garden of the Fall. It's the garden in which that primal human disobedience occurred. Now, the Garden of Eden, I'm sure, was wonderful, but it wasn't idyllic. It wasn't finished. It was designed to be cultivated and grown. So Genesis 1 and 2 described the role of humans in tending the earth and making it fruitful. There was work to do in the garden. It wasn't finished. It wasn't perfect. It needed to be cultivated and developed. But you know how the story goes. The disobedience of humankind leads to their expulsion and their alienation. And what is the curse that follows their expulsion and their alienation? Genesis 3, 18 and 19 says, Cursed is the ground because of you. 
this beautiful garden that was given by God for them to cultivate and tend. That ground is now cursed. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plant of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. The Garden of Eden was far from idyllic. It was there to be cultivated and developed, but it became the place of human disobedience in the fall. It became the place in which the curse originated. That the ground would keep on bringing forth thorns and thistles, weeds. Even if we have some success in growing fruit to eat and plants uh, to eat, ultimately it will be futile. And ultimately, anything that we achieve in our lives will be lost because we are dust and to dust we will return. So the Garden of Eden, far from being perfect, becomes the Garden of Exile. And we've experienced exile ever since, physical and spiritual. That's the first garden, the Garden of Eden. The second garden in the Bible I want to tell you about is the Garden of Obedience. I want to call it the Garden of Obedience, though it's more commonly known to you and I as the Garden of Gethsemane. I call it the Garden of Obedience because it's the place of prayer and obedience to God's will. What did Jesus command his disciples in Gethsemane? Stay and watch with me in prayer a little while. Stay awake and watchful in prayer. Not woke, awake. Watchful in prayer, attending to God. The garden of obedience is a place of prayer, but it's a place also of obedience. What does obedience mean? Well, the word obedience comes from the old Middle French and Latin term, obediare, which means to listen deeply. And that's what prayer is, listening deeply to God, listening to his voice in scripture, spending time in the presence of God, attending to him. Obedience to God is to listen deeply to God, to listen to a voice that is not our own. That would be narcissistic or egocentric if we just listen to our own voice and our own rumination, but rather to listen to that voice that comes from beyond us, spoken to us through scripture, spoken to us through other Christians who have gone before us in the history of the church. Being willing to accept a hard teaching, a hard command. What does Jesus say in the garden of obedience? He says, not my will, but yours be done. Let this cup of suffering pass from me. Let it, that's our prayer. God, remove this suffering from us. Take this time of trial and temptation from me, but not my will, but yours be done. It's the garden of obedience. And in the garden of obedience, we allow the gardener to prune us, to shape us, to change us. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. One way or another, when God draws close to you, you will be cut, you will be pruned. Whether that's the deadwood in your lives, the parts of your lives which are diseased, disordered, dysfunctional, or even whether it's the good things in your lives, the things that have been wonderful, those wonderful times of um, prayer or worship or fellowship or family, those achievements, those accomplishments that were done in obedience to God's spirit, even those God may prune and cut that new things may emerge. 
We never memorialize the past and lock it into a cycle. We are drawn forwards by God, pruned so that there might be more fruit. That's the garden of obedience. Third, the garden of the resurrection. The garden of the resurrection is the one about which we heard today in John 20. It's the place of change, transformation, and new life. We are not left stuck in our suffering. In the garden of obedience, we said, Lord, take this cup of suffering from me, but not my will, but yours be done. In the garden of resurrection, we know that suffering doesn't have the final hold, the final word. We know that whatever suffering we endure now, it's not the end. For the garden of the resurrection is the garden in which sin and death are decisively defeated. And that means also we are not vindicated in our victimhood. Whatever suffering we've experienced, whatever ills or wrongs have been done to us, whatever wounds we bear, they're not the final word. We never get to wear our wounds as trophies of victimhood. All that mars and disfigures us is defeated at the cross. And so everything that we were can be changed by death and resurrection. And that includes the stories we tell about ourselves. The old stories we tell ourselves about who we are have to be questioned because the risen Christ calls us into new life. And the risen Christ appears to us as a stranger. Mary didn't recognize him. The disciples on the road to Emmaus pictured here in the painting behind me, they didn't recognize Jesus. This is one of the most peculiar things about the Gospels. The Gospel accounts of Jesus' resurrection suggest that Jesus was recognizable and unrecognizable. That he was somehow still himself, he bore the wounds of the cross, but he was also different, changed. There was continuity and discontinuity. Jesus risen is a stranger to us. He's a stranger who reveals himself to us through the actions that he does, breaking bread, sharing meals with his friends, through healing, through forgiveness. He reveals himself to us in his word, but he also defies our easy categorization. Jesus is not a conservative and he's not a radical. He's not a liberal. He doesn't fit into our easy models. However you would like Jesus to be for you, because it's most comfortable to you, he won't be. He's the risen stranger who goes on beyond. What do they say about Aslan in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? He's not a safe lion, but he is good. Jesus, risen, is strange and unfamiliar, but he is good and he has good things for us. We recognize him when he calls us by name, when he repeats an action we know, breaking bread, sharing a meal, bringing peace to his friends. That's how Mary recognized Jesus in the garden of the resurrection when he called her by her name. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. We know his voice when he calls us by name. That's the garden of the resurrection. And then finally, and most briefly, the garden of the new creation. This is the garden depicted in the book of Revelation. A vision of a garden in the midst of a city. No more a garden of Eden amidst a wilderness, but now a garden city. A place in which our best endeavors and enterprises have a place 
in the eternity of the new creation. A place where architecture counts, where engineering counts, where art counts, where nursing and care counts, where everything that we have done in obedience to God's spirit as the best endeavours of humanity, the best examples of our cultivating and tending not just the earth but also human society are brought into eternity. It's the garden in the midst of a city. And although it's depicted at the very end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22, it starts now, it starts with the resurrection of Jesus. The garden of the new creation is a garden we can enjoy in our lives now. That's why St. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, new creation. If we are in Christ, then everything can be made new. What does it mean for us today, these four gardens? The Garden of Eden, the Garden of Obedience, the Garden of the Resurrection, and the Garden of New Creation. Well, it means gardens are important. It means that gardens are the place in which God's transfiguring, transforming work can take place and occur. It's been amazing watching people interact in the Garden of Lament this past week. Absolutely stunning seeing people write vulnerably and honestly the things they've lost, the things they miss, the things they hope for. Seeing people tie up ribbons, expressing their anger, their sadness, but also their hope. Seeing people using the stones as prayers. It's been amazing. And you know one thing it has said to me, I was surprised by how many, uh, I think they were um, blue ribbons, which are the colour for hope, or is it yellow? Yellow. I was surprised by how many yellow ribbons were getting tied to the fence. And I thought, my goodness, people are more hopeful than I had anticipated. Isn't that good news? You see, the garden of lament has become the garden of life. The garden of burial has become the garden of birth, rebirth, new birth. And that's available to all of us today. If you're a Christian, you know it. You know that if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you know that it wasn't your birth to your biological mother that matters most in your life. It was your birth in Christ at baptism. It was being born again that was the most decisive moment of your life when you were engrafted, knit into God's family. If you're here and you're not a Christian, then I want to invite you to experience that new birth. By saying yes to Jesus, by saying yes to his promise of new life, we can experience rebirth. And that means all that is in us, which is under the influence of death and decay and destruction and disorder, can be put to death with Jesus on the cross. And all that we hope for, all that we long for, the life that we desperately want to lead... A life full of joy and peace and hope, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit, the life uh, of faith that we want to lead is available to us. It's offered to us. All we need to do is say yes to Jesus. All we need to do is what Mary did in the garden of the resurrection. Turn to him. And when we hear him call our name, say yes. Yes, Lord. When we welcome the gardener, the great gardener, the risen Christ into our lives, we find that our lives themselves become the garden of his transforming work. 
I'm hopeless at gardening. If the garden of my life were left to me, it would be just tangled and ruined by weeds. But thanks be to God, the garden of my life is tended by the great gardener, our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Let's say it like we mean it. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me while we pray? And I want to invite you, if you're watching online at the moment, you might also just want to stand. And I'm going to invite you just to place your hand on your heart. And uh, this is whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, whether you know Jesus, whether you're not sure you know Jesus, whether you'd like to know Jesus, whether you think that sounds like the worst thing in the world. uh, I want to invite you just to trust me now and invite you to pray with me. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you have overcome the curse. That the stony ground of our lives, the weeds of sin that have plagued us, the signs of death and disorder, decay and despair, these are all nailed to the cross with you. Thank you that you have overcome the curse. And Lord Jesus, would you pour into our hearts your Holy Spirit. Plant in our hearts the seed of faith, the seed of hope. Plant beautiful things in our hearts and our lives. Plant your word in our hearts. Tend it. Nurture it, cultivate it. Make our lives a garden of transformation under your care. And Jesus, if among us today, watching online or in this building, there are those who need to experience this new birth, this forgiveness, this hope, then Lord, I pray right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them wherever they may be, that we may experience your resurrection power, your new creation, starting now. We ask this all in your most precious name and to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to the St. John's Hoxton podcast. New talks will be uploaded every week from all of our services. And do check out our website, stjohnshoxton.org.uk, for more information.